0: Wow. What great worship from y'all. I was here first service. They didn't have what y'all had. I don't know what it was, but you guys got it going on. That's what I'm saying. James chapter two is where we're going to be today. I think you guys are a little crazy. (laughs) The temperature has gone up ten degrees in here. Just somebody say, whoop whoop. (laughs) (laughs) James chapter two. We're going to talk about faith today. We're going to kind of continue on what we were talking about last week with Gideon. You know, Gideon was in a place of fear in the cave hiding. God challenged him to walk in a place of faith. He took the challenge, but he didn't take the challenge without a couple of questions, one of them being, God's words, all the miracles I hear about? You know, I hear, I hear you got this reputation of all miracles. Where are they at? Where where have they been? And so... I want to just talk about how to walk in a place of faith, making your faith perfect. Did you know that you can make your faith perfect? You can have perfect faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can have perfect faith. Say that. Now, now turn back to the person who said that and said, I believe that. I believe, I believe that. <laughs> you know, we sang that song, you know, I'm, I'm going to build my house. I'm going to build... My life on this firm foundation of love, you know, it's your love. I'm gonna build my life on that. And when you think about that, you know, I just you can get that twisted because um, you can you can put a humanized view of love on that passage of scripture and mess it all up. You can mess it up because God's love is different than the love that you and I are capable of, even though. We're created in the image of God. It's agape that we need to learn and how to walk in, and you you can't produce it. It's non producible. The only one who can walk in agape love is God, and the only way that you can walk in that is to be with God, to, to worship and have revelation of how to love like God loves. And when we start thinking about that, we have to think about the cross and what happened at the cross. Do you know that every bit of the expression of the love of God was poured out at the cross? He was poured out at the cross by Jesus. The, the, the full expression of his love. And it wasn't poured out so that you could get your ticket punched and not go to hell. And, and that's kind of the way we think. We think, well, you know, I am what I am. but Thank God for the grace of God. There's there's this mindset in the church like that that is not compatible with what God teaches about faith and how to walk in faith. You see, grace, the definition of grace is not defined so that you can continue to fail. Grace is not God's excuse for you to continue to do what you've always done. Grace is actually... God's power to make you victorious. It is unmerited power that comes only from God that can bring you in a place where you can actually do what he's requested of you. It's the grace of God. And if we misdefine the love love of God or the grace of God, then we find ourselves in a place that's not able to carry out what God asks us to carry out when he says to walk by faith. He wants us to walk by faith, and we do that through grace, the power of God that moves in us. And so grace is not an excuse to be disobedient. Grace is the power to be victorious. When I think of faith and the walking out of faith, you know, the the scripture is just full of testimonies of a faith walk. It's given to us because we need history. Because that's one way that you can grow your faith is the testimony of somebody else. How many in the room have been healed by God. If you've been healed in some way, how many have been redeemed? (laughs) Ha, That's pretty much a healing right there, isn't it? I mean, how many of your high school uh, or college buddies would not recognize you currently in your current condition? I mean, there's no doubt about it. I can tell you right now, we had a prayer meeting on like my 20th year high school anniversary. We had like 52 people showed up. They just, because I was leading it, And they just wanted to see me pray. I mean, they showed up just to watch (laughs) the Alex Bearfoot they knew in high school pray. I mean, they just wanted to see it. (laughs) They got more than they bargained for, I can tell you that right now. (laughs) But we need a testimony, and it'll help our faith a little bit, right? It'll encourage us. And so the Scripture's full of it. And it's full of it so that we can understand what God wants to do with us as individuals. It's not there so you can look at it and look back and go, wow, I, I, you know, that's, that's really cool, man. That's cool. Isn't that a neat story? You know, all those things are true, but it is actually written so you'll know how God wants to deal with you. And, and, the, and the one that is referenced here in James chapter 2 we're about to read is actually Abraham. It's the story of Abraham and it's the story of the gospel because Abraham understands that what he's about to do is walk out the gospel. And it says that he is able to walk it out because he has revelation that God is about to show him the gospel because what he says about the whole story is that he knows that if if he slays his son, if he sacrifices his son, that God is able to raise him from the dead. He already has revelation, a personal revelation of what's about to occur. And so he can walk in faith because it's been revealed to him by God, which is the second thing that you've got to have. You've got to have a testimony, but you also have to have experiences, personal experiences that you know God walks you through so that that you've encountered God so that you can know and believe and begin to walk in faith in the future like you weren't able to in the past. Faith, by personal experience, helps you move forward in faith. And so we see Abraham walking in faith, but this is what I love about Abraham. He was so confident. His, he was so confident in who God was, in the nature and the character of God, and, and his ability to control even supernatural things, including raising some from somebody from the dead, that he was able to put his confidence in God because he knew God. And it says about Abraham that the very next day, God says, I want you to go sacrifice your son, your only son. There's so much I could teach about all these, but I've got to avoid it. So y'all pray for me to avoid that. No rabbits, (laughs) pastor, no rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) So... It says the very next morning, he leaves. How many of us are confident enough in our ability to hear God that we respond immediately? You know, we're talking about becoming a church that doesn't walk in fear, that walks in faith. And how you do that is you get better at responding. And the only way to get better at responding is being confident that you're actually hearing from the Lord. And so when you know that you're hearing from God, you can confidently respond quickly. And you see that happen in Abraham. It's a, it's a great story. Read the stories in Genesis chapter 22. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing story of faith. But one of my favorite stories of faith is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is actually their Babylonian name. And the reason it's one of my favorite is because of the situation we find ourselves in in 2018 in this culture. There is a way of thinking and a way of doing that is being pushed. There, there's a river that's flowing that, that, that has culturally that says, you've got to adopt this way of thinking. You've got to adopt this way of doing it. And if you don't, you're, you're not tolerant or you, you're warped or you're a bigot or you're whatever. You get labeled with some kind of label that says, your way of thinking is narrow-minded and something. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their faith said, listen, we know our God. We understand who our God is. We, we, We pray on a continuous basis. They prayed as their brother Daniel did continually through the day. They they refused to adopt the way of thinking that was contrary to the way of God's thinking. And so even when the culture said, what you're going to do is you're going to bow to this God. All they had to do was say, you know, I don't really pay any attention to it. I really don't believe it. But just to appease everybody, make sure I don't offend anybody, I'm going to bow to this God. But no. When the king found out that they refused, it said it infuriated him. It infuriated him so much his command was, heat the furnace up. And he heated the furnace up to such a degree that the guys that were heating it up, one of them actually died because the heat consumed him. So you got a pretty hot place. Well, in the midst of that and in the midst of that environment, the king says, listen, you better bow. Or I'm going to put you in the furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you'll read it, it's an amazing response. It's in Daniel chapter 3. It says, King, the one who has the authority to kill us, we don't even have to respond to you. I don't even have to respond to that way of thinking. There's many of you that need not to respond on Facebook. I, I, You need to adopt the philosophy of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) But there's no, not even, I don't even, you know, I don't give it enough credibility to respond. You know, you're not responsible for, for anything somebody else does or thinks. You're only responsible for how you respond to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to themselves, we will not respond any way that's contrary to the way God thinks or does. And it was in their heart deep because they were about to die. And their response after that was this, my God is able to deliver us from your hand. He has authority over you. I understand my God. I've had a revelation that you're not in authority over me, that he doesn't give you. He's actually the one that's in charge. You're not. And and he is a miracle-working God. And he still does miracles today. (laughs) That's what they're saying. That's what we need to be saying. That's what Gideon said. And he says, but... If he doesn't do a thing, nothing, I still am not going to adopt the policies of the current administration. (laughs) The current culture cannot get me to waver from God because when Jesus died for me, his great love for me, He died for me so that I wouldn't be defeated but I would be victorious. That I could actually accomplish the Word of God. That I would be empowered to do it. I could respond to what I know to be right. Which is incredibly important because there's a a place That we come to, we have a little bit of faith from the testimony of God's work. And then as our personal experiences grow, our faith grows and grows and grows. But faith is defined as a belief, a trust, a belief about the nature and character of God, a belief that what God's in charge of. Now, let me just say this one more time. I say it all the time. I'm going to say it again because it's so important. If we believe that we're on this rock, we're standing on a rock and we're in a building on a rock, and this rock is spinning and it's revolving and it's on an axis and and hurricanes have to come to actually change the culture the climate so that we don't burn up. Everybody knows that, right? Okay. So things have to happen to keep the atmosphere just right so we can live here. And we believe that God is in charge of that, Right? Come on in. We believe that God's in charge of that. She can find her seat without y'all looking, I promise. There's your husband right over there. Go to your husband. We can what, do you, do you believe that? We do believe it. We know it to be true. There's a God that's in charge of that. How easy is it for a God who can build this? Uh, uh, you know, just hold it together, speak it, bring, bring something out of chaos to actually get a man to pen the word of God. How easy! Why is it hard for us to believe that this word was pinned by God? When He can, when we see His ability to. Hold everything together. The the stars, the sand, everything's amazing. We go, this is simple. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who the character and nature of God was. And so this testimony, our experiences by doing this, being obedient to this, and our faith in his word can be perfected. James chapter 2, verse 18 through 26. I'm going to read this from the Good News Bible. Anybody remember the Good News Bible? <laughs> it's an oldie but goodie. Actually, the Good News Bible is the New New Living Translation or the Living Bible. And the Living Bible's author or, or general editor's son actually took all the, all the problems out of the Good News Bible and the Living Bible and made the New Living Translation which is an excellent translation, and this is very accurate in what it's producing uh, here as well. I just like the way it read. It really hits home strongly. Now, there's a lot of scholars at the turn of the, uh, you know, in the 1700s, 1800s, that, they, you know, they, they uh, early 1900s, they had, they had some issues with James. And the reason they had issues with James is exactly what we're about to read. It's because they they wanted to think in their own heart that they didn't have to do anything. That that you know that when they believed in God, that God did it all, which He did, and there's nothing you can do to get in heaven, and there isn't outside of surrender. You have to surrender, so you can't work your way in heaven. There was such a bent toward not being able to work your way into heaven that they, that they had a trouble with James you you can't work your way in heaven but if you're in heaven there's going to be if you're going to heaven if you're part of kingdom then you're going to bear fruit of kingdom that's what James is saying and we're going to read that here in a minute in other words it's not an empty faith god is alive he's not dead he wants to prove his aliveness through you last week we said there's no greater testimony that god is alive outside of a redeemed individual, somebody who's healed, somebody who's had an encounter with God, somebody who's not the same, somebody who knew you when you were in high school and college. He goes, I can't believe that's the same person. Why? Because they had an encounter with God. I had a caller buddy of mine call me one time on the phone, and he'd had about 15 beards, it sounded like, on the other end of the line. He said, Bear <laughs> tell me what happened to you. Why? Because I wasn't the same guy he knew. And he was watching Billy Graham on television and he wanted to know if that was true. What gave him the testimony that it was true? A transformed life. A changed life. There's nothing like a changed life that helps and, and so there has to be this combination of belief and trusting in God that 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 comes and then and then it bears fruit. Look at what James said in 18, 2:18. 18. But someone will say, one person has faith, another has actions. like they're not combined. And my answer is, show me how anyone can have faith without actions. I will show you my faith by my actions. Do you believe that there's only one God? Good. The demons also believe that and tremble with fear. You fool! Say that. You. The Bible says it. It's in the Bible. Go ahead. Do you say it? You fool! Say it loud. You fool. Do you want to be shown that? Do you want to be shown that faith without actions is useless? You want to be shown that? How was our ancestor Abraham put right with God? It was through his actions. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Can't you see? His faith and his actions worked together. His faith was made perfect through his actions. And the scripture came true that said Abraham believed God. And because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. And so Abraham was called God's friend. You know, Jesus says, I call you friend. Do you know it also says in Scripture that the only way that Jesus calls you friend is if you're his? Everybody's not a friend of God. The only ones that are friends of God, named by Jesus, is those who are walking with him. And they're friends of God. And so so he goes on. He said, So Abraham was called God's friends. So you see then that it is by people's actions, this is James, that they are put right with God and not by faith alone. What's he saying? He's saying, How many of you, when you were kids, you made some semblance of a prof- profession of faith in Christ? I know I did. I didn't follow God at all, there was no action outside of the baptism, that proved anything about God. Is God's God's love great enough to do that? Well, it might be. It might be. And there's a lot of people that they better hope it is. But when I was 28 years old, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed me forever. It made me attack God. I wanted to know God. I wanted to find out who God was. I read the New Testament three times in 30 days. I mean, I wanted to hear what God had to say. And not only did I want to hear it, this is what I know. I knew my way didn't work. And what I was doing wasn't working real good. And I wanted to find out what he said so I could change what I was doing and the way I was thinking, right? We need to have sober judgment in where we are. I don't care how long you've known the Lord. You don't look like Him yet. You don't think like Him yet. You still have a problem with doing what is right in your own eyes, which is the number one thing that the Scripture says about people who stray from God, and they did what was right in their own eyes. And there has to be some semblance of pride and puffed upness that says about us, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. Me and God, we're tight. I'm good. Really? That's a great that's a good that's interesting. I feel pretty tight with God. I don't know that I feel good. You know, the the more and the closer I get to God the more I realize I don't look like him. The, the more I know him, the more I discover about myself that doesn't look like him. And grace says, I want to empower you to become like me. Not you're okay in, in your bad self. You don't really need to get over your bad self. My grace is enough. That is bad theology. His grace is enough to make you victorious from your bad self. Right? Well, the first place to start is sober judgment. You got to be able to see how you don't align with God, and that's revelation. You've you got to have revelation. And the, a pastor's heart, just, let me just tell you where I come from. Most of the time, I struggle with people not really seeing where they are or, or, have, or have a willingness to be honest with themselves. You know, all the time, most of the time, my problem is not somebody else except yesterday driving back from Atlanta, the person that was riding in the left lane, talking on the cell phone the whole time, going 55 miles an hour. That was a problem. (laughs) But most of the time, and Liz will tell you it was my problem all along, (laughs) because the speed limit was 55. (laughs) But most of the time, I'm the problem. When it comes to me and God, I'm the problem. I'm it. I'm it. Why? It's, I'm either unwilling to move or unwilling to get revelation. And God's going to bring one of those two things to you some way. He can do it to you. We said this last week. Voluntarily, you can volunteer and say, God, I'm an open book. Show me what doesn't look like you. Look in my heart like David said. Look inside of me. If there's anything that doesn't look like you, reveal it to me, oh God. And empower me to be changed. We do that, God's going to flood you. We don't do that. We think we're good. We're going to go do what is right in our own eyes. If you're a child of God, you will get smoked. He will smite you. He will discipline you. He will get your attention so that you'll call upon his name. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to show you that your way of doing things brings pain. And he'll let that pain come so you'll turn to him. And then when you turn to him, he goes, well, it's about time. No, he won't. He'll, that's what I'd say. <laughs> he'll say, welcome home. Now, you ready? Now, you ready? You good? I'm good. I'm glad you're here. He says he won't make fun of you or look down on you. No reproach. I don't know how to do that without God with God I, I'm getting better can you testify I'm, I talked to this young lady this is Anita Gray I talked to her I think it was a couple was it two weeks ago it seems like it was a, a minute ago I've been I've been smoked because they've been coming here about five years and um, and there's just been a lot of growth a lot of change in, in them and uh, you've been healed by the Lord physically and, uh, but mostly emotionally. You know, you're not there all the way yet, right? No. But she said something to me last week, and I, and I just I went, oh, my goodness, please. And I just feel like the Lord wants you to hear it. So we've been coming here a little over five years, and I would come in, head down, sit down in my seat, not talk to anybody, not look at anybody, and do church. I would leave complaining that no one would had talked to me, but the way I looked, I wouldn't have talked to me either. I had had that victim mindset for so long that I would set traps for people to keep myself in my comfort zone. We all have that comfort zone where when we stick to that and we set those traps that we block God from doing what he wants to do. And that's exactly what I was doing, but I didn't realize it. And once, once God got a hold of me and smited me with it, um, he has been doing a mighty work since then. So though all I had ever known was victimization, God is bigger and he has set me free. Amen. It's <laughs> Just really good, man. And she said, last week she said, you know, she said, I come in here and I blame everybody else. And it was my fault. And I about fell out of my chair. She says, you know, it's true. I said, yeah, but it came out of your mouth. <laughs> It needs to come out of my mouth. You see, there's nobody that's been walking with the Lord too long that that kind of thinking doesn't need to be a part of who they are before God. Examine me, O Lord. Show me the ways that I'm not aligning with your word and your way. Reveal them to me, God, so that I can change what I'm doing by your grace. By your spirit at work in me, let it be so. And so there's this place of faith that we have to move to, and it's, it's done with action. It's done with action. And so it wasn't just the faith, the belief of who God was. He actually began to move, and, and that's what made Abraham right with God. It wasn't faith alone. It was the same, this is 25, it was the same with the prostitute Rahab. She was put right with God through her action by welcoming the Israelite spies and helping them to escape uh, by a different road. So then, as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without action is dead. It's dead in us. We have to move from a place of fear to a place of faith. When we get a hold of that place of faith, because we have an encounter with God, we've got the testimony, we've got the testimony of God, we've got the testimony of God, but we have to have an encounter with God, an experience with God. And as we have those experiences with God, our faith builds and we're able with confidence to trust that he's given us revelation that doesn't contradict his word so that we can move forward in the miraculous. Acts of obedience is what perfects our faith. You can't separate the two. if we refuse to obey the Word of God, your faith will not be perfected. But if you want your trust in God and His ability to do the miraculous in your life and in your circumstances and in those that you love and your families and your marriages and your finances and everything that God deals with in His Word, if you want the promises of God to come, You've got to stand in a place of trust, of faith in God. But then you've got to begin to move on it with action. You've got to begin to order your life as though you believe it's going to come. Let me give you the the best example I've ever seen with my own eyes. When I went to Israel just a few years back, one of the things that I noticed about the culture was that everything revolved around God. I mean, their whole family unit—it it just revolves around. Much different than our culture. I mean, it's just—it's just much different than our culture because they can't get their eyes off of God. And and in uh, 1948, Israel became a state again, and they 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 captured. I think it was I think it was 48. They, they captured you know the, uh, the the city of Jerusalem, and the and the soldiers went to what they call the Western Wall. And they laid their hands on the Western Wall, and they were just blown away that God had brought them back and put them back as a nation, back in Jerusalem. And it became the Wailing Wall. And and from from that moment on, since the time that Jerusalem became the uh, the city, uh, that was part of the nation of Israel, that hadn't happened since 70 A.D., They've been at that wailing wall praying and looking to God to bring promises about that they haven't seen. In Hebrews chapter 11, that's what it says. That's this definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that aren't seen. Right? That, did I say that right? Yeah, okay, good. It is. It ain't happening yet. And we're hoping for it because it's the nature and character of God. It's the promise of God. So they stand in that wall. What are they standing there praying? Right above that wall, to the left, is a Muslim mosque on the ground that the temple is supposed to be rebuilt. They believe. And are praying, believing by faith, action, praying at the Western Wall, believing that that temple is going to be rebuilt. And when that temple is rebuilt, Messiah is coming. Now they think Messiah is coming for the first time. They're just a little off on that. And they're going to discover that at some point. And there's a lot of them discovering it before it actually happens. Praise the Lord. But they're waiting for Messiah. They've been praying by faith since 1948. That's what faith is. Faith is knowing who your God is, having revelation of who your God is for every circumstance, for your family, for your for the culture of your family, for the for you know for the generational sin in your family to be broken, for the righteousness of God to be carried out, for financial blessing, for all the blessings that God has on for His people, that your family and 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 your situation will begin to walk in that as you obey His word. All those things are to be prayed on and stood on as the foundational things that the love of God poured out on the cross made available to us who believe and we're going to stand there until we see it happen. That's the faith that God is looking for in a group of people who can actually change a city. (coughs) A people who want to be restored and are quick to respond to the things of God, to the ways of God. And the only way to do that is to have sober judgment of actually where we are as a people and then to look more like Jesus as we go. I look as little, pray, pray this for you, Pastor. I look less like Jesus today than I'm going to look for the rest of my life because I want to be transformed. I pray you are too. I pray that's who we are in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand together? I want to say one more thing. Because I believe God's really hitting on this very hard. I'm going to put you up here, darling, so they can see you. If you know us at all, which some of you don't know a clue, there is probably not two more different people in all the universe. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) <laughs> and and the thing about the lord is he's not interested in who's right and who's wrong. That's good for you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when we look at things, we can look at the same problem and her solution I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe she's even thinking that." <laughs> And she looks at me and goes, oh, no, here we go again. (laughs) You, You can see that, right? You know, God's not concerned about who's right or who's wrong. What God is really concerned with is how we value one another, what we say to each other, and how we honor one another. He's all about relationship. You know, it's not about who can lord intellectual greatness over the other or somehow make themselves feel better about themselves because they belittle the other person. That's not not what it's about. It's about lining up with the ways and the will of God so that you can actually be in relationship with Him and with others in a way that would please Him. That, That prove that He's alive and not dead. Why? Because you have no Ability to love like God without God. So, we are committed to being transformed with you. I just pray that you'll join us as we become more like Christ. Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. Isn't Isn't that true? When you come to the place where you realize your biggest problem is you, you're going to be in a great spot because then then you're work-withable. God says, oh, they really know. If you'll humble yourself, God will lift you up. But if you're prideful, he'll humble you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, that we would humble ourselves come to you with a realization, God, that your desire is victory. Yes. That you want us victorious. You want us blessed. You want us prosperous. Yes. And the only way to do that, God, is to align our thinking with yours. Yes. And you sent your Holy Spirit. It's the grace gift yes. Yes. to empower us to actually accomplish the Word. What the law couldn't do, the Spirit's going to do. Yes. <laughs> So, Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for a church that is wanting to be responsive. And how we respond to you, God, is that we don't do what is right in our own eyes. What we do, God, is align our thinking and our ways because of the revelation and the wisdom that we have through your word of your nature and your character. And we depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into your image so that we become witnesses and a light to the world. And it actually has the ability to change a city. Father, I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.